Welcome everyone to the Bolt from the Blue podcast and we are here to reminisce about Manchester City 6, Aston Villa 1. My goodness, amazing stuff. A massacre indeed of biblical proportions. A hat-trick from the hero of the hour, Aguero. A brace from Maris, one from Gabby J. And it was only sullied by a penalty in 90 plus 1 from El Ghazi. Amazing stuff. Difficult to know who to feel more sorry for, guys, whether it be Danny Drinkwater combining so well with uh, Riyad Mahrez in this game or Villa's goalkeeper Nyland. It was his um, debut and got put six past him. Yeah, well, there wasn't too much sympathy, uh, I think, from Ray for uh, Drinkwater anyway. Perhaps he'll talk about that on this particular podcast. But uh, let's start off by introducing to you, as we always do, the Bolt from the Blue Men who combine with me to bring this free podcast to you, available on all your podcast catchers, from Stitcher to Apple iTunes to SoundCloud to pretty much whichever one uh, you want to use. Um, first of all, we've got King of the Kipax writer and City Matters Committee member, Mr. Colin Savage. Colin, how are you doing? Uh, crap. I'm just, as I explained to you, I'm just getting over a really bad migraine, so... I may not be quite my usual, loquacious, passionate, intelligent <laughs> Acerbic. self. Acerbic. Is that the right word? <laughs> you what? <laughs> well, don't worry, Colin. It's, it's our job to drag that enthusiasm out of you, which we will endeavour to do. And, uh, which the... usually you drain it out of <laughs> you rather than drag it out of you. <laughs> well, we've got no problem in, in, in doing that. And also, guys, the... I'm feeling better already. <laughs> <laughs> the dulcet tones that you hear cackling in the background, well, that's none other than your man Ray from that City Fan TV YouTube channel. It's Ray. Ray, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Uh, I, I say it, almost every week when City win, you're always in uh, good spirits for a few days. And uh, when City will win by our favourite scoreline away from home, you're in even better spirits. Yes, Ray usually comes out with that line on most weeks. And I myself have been accused of being like Joey Tribbiani out of uh, Friends with the, how are you doing? How are you doing? But anyway, the guys are, are with me here in the Skype studio to talk about this. And we've got an opening question to get us going. And we'll start off with Colin Savage. Colin, six goals for City. Which was your favourite one? The Mares one was a brilliant one, where we just slammed through half the Villa team. And, of course, the um, Gabby Jesus one with um, Kevin De Bruyne's absolutely, I don't know, what, what would you call it? Um, Delicious. It was, it's kind of geometry-defying pass, isn't it? Yeah, Ray, I was just about to, to ask you about that particular one. It seems that uh, Kevin De Bruyne definitely didn't bunk off the geometry classes in high school, did he, with that pass to Gabby J? Which was your favourite one? So many to choose from. You've got about half, half a dozen to choose from. I did like the Mares one that got us going, uh, because, uh, as Colin said, he, he, he dribbled past a, a few players before slotting it home. That was nice. Gabby J... Fantastic Agueros. Was it his second goal was uh, another nice one. 
it was just nice goals all over the place. Because even, you know, when you, you had the Mares' second goal, which wasn't as an, a, an exquisite as finish as some of the others, it, but it was a different kind of goal that had Aguero's determination to re- recover the ball that created that goal and a, and a beautiful, sumptuous pass from uh, Danny Drinkwater to help us along. So every goal had something different, uh, but I'd probably go with Mares. Uh, his first goal was it was a beaut. Yeah, you know what I think I can do for you, Colin, just to simplify the, the original question. Which of Aguero's goals was the nicest <laughs> one? The shot from just outside the area, about 20 yards, wasn't it? My goodness, Colin, do you think that Aguero has now done enough uh, now that he's uh, surpassed Shearer for um, the number of top-flight hat-tricks and surpassed Thierry Henry for um, goals scored by uh, a foreign import, do you think that he's now done enough to be in the uh, PFA Team of the Year? Well, that's an interesting question, isn't it? I think he may, yeah, I think he may get the sympathy vote. But oh, yeah, all those seasons when he was doing what he's doing now, Never even got near it. Bizarre, isn't it? Possibly the most underrated great player in Premier League history. Including the 93-20 season, if I remember correctly. I'm not, well, maybe he was in the team. Maybe that was the year that he was in the team of the year. I can't quite remember. I know he didn't get player of the year, which he, he, he certainly should have. But um, struggled to get in team of the year. Even the season where he was the top goal scorer in the Premier League, he won the Golden Boot. He still didn't make team of the year. Look, I'll I tell you one, one, one thing for sure. He's certainly not undervalued and underrated by City fans. And to be honest, that's all that matters. And that brings us on to the next question very, very nicely. Colin, your friend and mine, Mark Goldbridge, was on Twitter and saying that the reason why that uh, Aguero wasn't as uh, popular as he should be, given his incredible feats of goal scoring, was that he plays for a team that the fans and the media don't like. What did you think about that one? I think, I think just for once, Mr Goldbridge... Or Mr. De Cesare, whatever his um, real name is, he, he might have a point there because you know if he played for Liverpool, can you imagine the fuss that would be made of him? You know, when you think about the fuss that was made of um, Suarez and Firmino, who's not a tenth of the player that Aguero is. Good player though he is, but not a patch on Aguero. Yeah, I think I think you, Mr. Goldbridge, possibly for once in his life, has made a decent point. It is interesting, isn't it, Ray, that that point, that uh, that little truth that, that was stumbled upon by our Manchester United uh, supporting buddy who lives probably down there in London, that uh, certainly if um, if he had been playing for Liverpool indeed, uh, he, they would have yeah. statues of him all around the, the stadium holding up a bottle of Copperberg or something like that. But um, I tell you what, if he played for Liverpool, the... The Liverpool fans would be walking around, spending their days with a box of Kleenex uh, in their hand because, you know, they'd have been just wetting themselves over Aguero because he's just been that good. I think generally he's been that consistent. For, this is his, was it his ninth season at City. He's been brilliant for us. The number of goals he's scored um, in the number of games he's played, the minutes per goal is, is ridiculous. I mean, you're aforementioned Bobby Firmino. Ah, Bobby. He scores a goal every three games. A goal every three games. You know, uh, Aguero is is light years ahead of him. Um, he's just magnificent. Uh, just a little pop quiz history question here for Colin. I know that you're not feeling so well uh, this evening, but I'll test you anyway. Um, do you remember the opposition when Aguero made his debut and how he performed on that debut? Yeah, of course. It was um, Swansea City. It was a Monday night game. Their first game in the Premier League at the Etihad, which I thought was a shame for their fans to have to have a Monday night game up in Manchester for your first appearance in the Premier League. 
he came on as a sub. Funny, we were talking about this on uh, Match of the Day 2. His first goal was uh, l- laid on by Micah Richards. Ah, uh, yes. He was one of the pundits. And I believe Richard, and, uh, course, Richards was talking about the quality of the assist, wasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah. So we got trademark Micah Richards laugh. Um, he then kind of hooked a ball from on the goal line for David Silva to score. So that was an assist. And then, of course, he slammed that one in from, what, 30, 35 yards. I think 35 might be a bit much, but at least 30 yards. At least 30 ball. yards, yeah. We're not going to quibble. We're not going to quibble over five yards, guys. Um, An inch is as good as a mile, as they say. As indeed, um, yeah. Four nil was the result. That was nil nil at half time, and unlike uh, I'm thinking, we'll, we might come on to uh, at the end of this pod about talking about the talk spot discussion about Aguero. Where does he stand? amongst the pantheon of great Premier League strikers. Darren Bennett could have at least done his homework. He said we were playing QPR. The, if you'd done the minimal amount of homework, you'd have known we were playing Swansea. And actually, that was the first game I took my youngest lad to. So that was in 2011. He was about two and a half years old. And he was, as young kids are sometimes, he, he, he just wanted, to, uh, you know, towards the end of the second half, he wanted to go home. And a lot of City fans had gone by then. And we were, we'd edged our way up to the top of the stand, getting ready to leave. And I just lingered in, uh, for a little bit longer to watch Aguero slam that ball home. And you knew, as, as Colin has said, you know, he scored that Porteous goal. He set up that goal for, for David Silva and he slammed one in from 30 yards. And at that moment, you thought, well, this guy's not half bad, is he? Uh, talking about uh, edging um, your way to the exits of the uh, stadium, uh, Colin, it, it seemed that uh, there was quite a debate going on, certainly on Twitter, about whether the Aston Villa fans, after 28 minutes, were heading heading out or just heading to get a pint of something or other. The actual start was um, yeah, not, not slow, but it took us, it took us a few minutes to get into our stride. Uh, but although we had a couple of um, early chances, I mean, looking at my notes, kind of the eighth minute, Cancelo had a shot that went wide. Fifteen minutes, um, there was a great ball from Kevin De Bruyne to Riyad Mahrez in the area who couldn't quite get it under control. So it looked like it was coming. That was, then a, a, there was a ch- couple of minutes later, there was a chance for Sergio, but he lost his footing in the area. So, you know, it looked like something was coming, but my God, when it came. Yeah, it was it was a blistering start, wasn't it? Because we just couldn't, once we scored, we just couldn't stop. Let's just go through that uh, lineup race. So we had Ederson, uh, Cancelo again, gets the vote of confidence. Johnny Stones, Johnny Stones himself was in there. Fernandinho as well, relieved by Otamendi on 63 minutes. Mendy, uh, De Bruyne, and of course De Bruyne uh, was part of that double substitution where Otamendi and Foden were introduced. There was Rodri for the first 71 minutes until Gundogan took his place. Uh, David Silva, great to see him back. Uh, Riyad Mahrez, the Algerian prince himself. Sergio doesn't really need much uh, more introduction than his first name. And Gabby J. Now, Gabby J is very, very interesting, guys, as well, because interesting stat. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, 76 matches for City in all competitions. And check this. Directly involved in 71 goals, 54 goals and 17 assists. Uh, Ray, do you think that Colin and I were a little bit unfair in saying that perhaps uh, Gabby J was not going to be any sort of a a stand-in for Aguero in the long term, we might even look to get rid. Well, I can't blame you guys because I, I said something similar. So, But I thought he had a cracking game. I paid particular attention to him. You know, he, he battled really well, really hard. I don't think he was caught offside. I, not that I can remember, maybe once, but I can't, I can't recall any time he was caught offside, which is, which is fantastic for him. And he was great in the air, winning uh, headers. 
against what looked like bigger men. And, and that took a bit of courage. And when he scored, I remember back to the Burton game when I think he scored four last, was it four, three or four last season? He seemed more angry than happy. But when he scored, um, you know, um, yesterday, he, he looked really, really happy. A massive grin ear, from ear to ear. And he looked truly happy and content. And as I said, I thought he had a brilliant game. The effort he puts in. I think he always puts effort in. But you could see the effort you could, and you could see the results of his effort, the hard work he put in uh, to chase people down, to, to win aerial battles and obviously score a goal. Yes, he could have scored maybe one or two more. But, you know, let's not um, you know be uh, gripe about this because, I mean, six goals, you can't ask for more than that. Well, Ray says uh, ear to ear. Some people might say cut glass cheekbone to another cut glass cheekbone. But um, did we really learn too much um, from this uh, particular uh, performance, uh, Colin Savage? Because, uh, of course, many people were discussing the the age-old question about how much this was about City being awesome to Aston Villa being absolutely dreadful. Was there any takeaways um, for the City faithful from this position, from that lineup. There's a large case you can make for both points of view. Villa weren't great. Dean Smith had been coaching them in where to stand, but he'd not quite had enough time to tell them what to do when they were stood there. Um, you know, if you looked at it on the TV, they looked fairly organised. I think they were playing a 3-5-2 or 3-5-1-1. Yeah, and they were well lined up, but they didn't do anything. I mean, it was a bit like, I can't remember who United lost to, but uh, but might have been Arsenal. It was a, a critique of United at Arsenal. I mean, there have been so many they've lost to. Where where they just allowed Arsenal un, uninterrupted use of the ball without any pressure. And Arsenal were like that when we played there. They lined up in a formation, but no one actually did anything, if that makes sense. And Villa were a bit like that. You know, they had the, this 3-5-2 or 3-5-1-1 formation. But, you know, Mares, how many players did Mares skip past? Didn't put a tackle in and... Um, yeah, so there certainly was a large element of we were very, very good. It was interesting, but, wasn't it? Ray, I mean, Maris looked like he was on speed skates, but a couple of interesting things that I was keeping my eye on anyway. Well, the first one was uh, Douglas Louise. You know, of course, City fans will remember this is the guy that we wanted to... Uh, include in our squad season or two ago and uh, unfortunately couldn't get the the visa anyway Aston Villa got him he got 65 minutes might have dodged a bullet ray does he flatter to deceive uh, what do you think I don't really know um, you know it's his first season in, uh, in obviously in English football he's playing in a struggling side that is Villa it's hard to really know uh, if he's any good or not I, I suspect he he's he's got to be half decent I mean there's you know, since uh, we've had uh, Soriano and, and Chike, we've we've not made too many rank bad signings. I mean, you know, we have made some bad signings in the last five or six, seven years. You know, Mangala and Boni, uh, Nalito, they spring to mind. But so, but generally, we make good decisions. We make good purchasing decisions, uh, not just on the the player. It's his potential. It's his background. It's his attitude. And I think his attitude is all right. His potential still there. Um, I hope for his sake, if Villard can stay up, he can have another season with them. And I think then we really get a better idea of what he's like. Because, look, I mean, look at Mares, for instance. His first season at City, you know, a, a team that won the domestic treble coming off the Centurion season. And um, you'd think he would be brilliant in that team. And he was meh, you know, I think last season. He was getting to grips with it. And you can see now in his second season, 
he's put forward, you know, uh, forward some uh, a compelling argument that you need need that um, that preseason just to acclimatise. So it might just be the same for Douglas Louise. He's he, you know he's a kid comfort zone, let's say, you know, away from his homeland. Uh, he had a couple of seasons in um, La Liga to acclimatise to being outside of his country, but he's only twenty one years old. So you know. He's, he's he's still a kid. He's still a, not a baby, but he's he's not much off that. So I think I wouldn't say we dodged a bullet. I I, I want to assess him after he's had this season and maybe another season in the top flight, and maybe we'll see him develop much much better next season. Yeah, guys, with all this talk about uh, Thierry Henry uh, being mentioned all over the place in uh, comparison to Sergio Aguero, my eyes lit up on the 71st minute when on comes Trezeguet. But um, sadly for Villa, it wasn't David Trezeguet, the World Cup winner. It was another Trezeguet who didn't make very very much of an impact. But uh, Colin, another one of your friends, was getting uh, quite um, favourable reports in Grealish, the, the guy that you famously described in, um, let's just say, in comprehensive terms, I think is the best way to to talk about it. But but that was more to do with his um with his irritating behaviour rather than his as ability. Did you sort of agree that Grealish came out of it looking not too bad? And 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 he's been linked with City, which is which is which is interesting. I can't see it myself. But um, what did you think of Grealish as a player? I'm a fan of his, particularly from a City point of view, because. What he seems to understand instinctively is what Pep calls the half spaces. We admire David Silva because of his ability to play between the lines. And Grealish can do that. You know, he'll, same way that Kevin De Bruyne drifts around and can, you know, move all over the field and, and pick up the ball and do things. He can do that. You know, he can make things happen. He can take the ball and run with it. He can pass the ball. He can score. You know, he really is a very good player and nothing but admiration. And he's one of the, few, if if, the, if not the only Villa player to come out of that game with any sort of uh, credit, I think. The stories are, I'm always dubious about a player who runs uh, who runs around the field with his socks only up to his ankles, as, as he does, and um, can't you're, remember. Anyway. You're, you're so old school, Colin, you're so old school. I know, I'm you, so you, old school. You like that? Yeah, I bet you wouldn't have been a fan of uh, Ginola either without his shirt tucked nicely into his shorts either I'm sure you don't like no. that either <laughs> no but I mean it's setting up a risk that you don't need to take isn't it that you know someone someone goes in catches your shin and you know your shin's very delicate it's very close to the bone you really should be protecting them with shin pads it's a simple risk management thing for me and it's almost a look at me thing with him and, and I've heard from a couple of people who do know him a, well, be, obviously better than I do that he isn't a particularly pleasant character, but he is a great footballer. And I think Pep will see a lot in him that he admires. How often do we say a player needs a, needs a season? And Pep was saying this. I've just started watching the all or nothing thing again. Pep's saying sometimes you need three months, six months, a whole season to get up to speed with what he's wants you to do. I think Grealish would be happy after about three training sessions. So, yeah, um, great player, but a bit of a question mark over his... Well, not even his attitude. His attitude is a good one on the field, but you know his his whole temperament as a human being, really. I guess you know what I'd say if we if we didn't have Phil Foden, you'd see him as the natural replacement for David Silva. So that's why we're talking about him. I think, given they'll be back down in the Championship next season, and it's some degree of financial difficulty, I suspect um, he could be picked up relatively cheaply. Interesting. I don't uh, think you'll get any change out of fifty million, Colin. I said <laughs> relatively. If relatively, of course, 50 million is relatively cheaply in the modern market. But uh, anyway, um, talking about players that have needed time to fit in, we monitor Mr. Rodri on a game by game basis, Ray. 
How is he progressing for you? Well, it's hard to really say in, in, in games like this where we were obviously commanding and so dominant and our forward players had so much of the ball, was so dangerous. Villa really didn't have many opportunities to uh, put too much pressure on City. And actually, the, the, the fella up top, um, he, he managed to hold the ball up a, a few times. Grealish managed to make a few uh, decent runs but before being crowded out. So it's really hard to say how well Rodri played. But look, he, he, he seems to, you know, we, we've had two very, very good games back to back. We're on a, a nice run. I think we've won is it five on the bounce in uh, different competitions now. And um, Rodri uh, appears at home. Um, but once again, it, it's that combination of how good were we going forwards and how poor Villa were at putting us under any pressure. So it's, it's really hard to tell um, how good Rodri uh, played. But look, I mean, I, we did a player ratings uh, review um, earlier on on my channel and Rodri was coming out with seven and, sevens and eights. Um, so I, I, I'm guessing the consensus was that he had a decent performance. He did. And I guess the thing with him is it's the ceiling that everyone's talking about. I remember a time being the age that I am when things, when words like a player's ceiling were not really even in the football vocabulary, along with assists as well. I can remember a time without that word either. But anyway, uh, one player that people have talked about as not being able to do 90 minutes anymore is uh, David Silva. And he played 90 minutes in this game. Interesting stat about Silva here. He has assisted 21 Premier League goals for Sergio Aguero. The only player to assist another more in in the competition is um, actually the one who created 24 of Drogba's goals. Who was that, Colin? Frank Lampard. That's the one. Yeah, that famous uh, old city stalwart, uh, Frank Lampard. Our former legend. Our former legend, yeah, indeed. Um, What did you think of David Silva uh, and particularly these doubts, uh, Colin, about his ability to play out a full game? Well, he played a full game and he played it. I thought he played it um, pretty well, really. One or two little rusty moments, I think there were. But um, yeah, it was. You couldn't say it was the old David Silva, but there were certainly times when it looked like the old David Silva. Particularly, there was a pass to Aguero, wasn't it? Third goal, second goal. Second, I can't Third one was Mares's pass. Yes, um, indeed it was. And, uh, and actually, Colin, uh, just staying with you for the moment, I think that uh, this statement by Aston Villa boss Dean Smith is a new cliche, a relatively new cliche, which I think should go into our list of cliches. And he said after the game, our season is not going to be defined by defeats by Man City. I don't know if you've picked up on this one that's just come into the coinage uh, very frequently in, in the last um, uh, few seasons. Every time a lower table team gets gets beaten, they always come out with this line, our season is not going to be defined by getting beaten by Man City. But uh, but, uh, but, but it is, it is, it's a fair point. Do you think they can stay up, Colin? No, I don't think they do. I've, I've said from the moment they got promotion, they won't be staying up. Uh, and the simple reason is defensively they aren't good enough, and that that showed on um, that showed on Sunday, didn't it? My other favourite Dean Smith quote, uh, which is getting some attention on social media, was that uh, he tried to excuse a defeat by saying uh, City's goal scorers were worth more than his whole team, which um, his mass is not too good because apparently our our, our goal scorers Aguero, Jesus, and Mares cost something like 126 million 
and he spent 133 million in the summer. Yes, I think um, there there is that tendency. Um, guys, they always uh, roll this out about the um, the total value of Man City starting eleven every game. But there's a fair few of them usually that are people like uh, Zinchenko, people like um, Gabby J, uh, youngsters as well that cost nothing came up through the academy. It's just something that they trot out, you know, without thinking. They don't do their homework at all. Gabby J was uh, didn't really come through our academy. And he cost us 27 no, no, million. No, 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 yeah, yeah. Oh, we, we have we have a few coming through now. When Eric, Eric, obviously when Eric Garcia plays and Fordham plays, that's uh, good for our um, numbers. But look, football is football. It, it's money sloshing around everywhere. Any team that says they don't spend any money, that generally that's a lie. Unless you're Norwich, who literally didn't spend any money in the summer. Everybody else spends money. Villa themselves. If you look at Villa. If they were still in the championship, I think they'd be getting slapped around for uh, financial fair play issues in the championship. So they've got no room to talk. You know, they had uh, one of the most, I think, expensive squads or the highest wages in the championship last season. I'm not sure if they were also one of these clubs. There's quite a few. I know Derby were and several others who, uh, to disguise a loss, a huge loss in their accounts, they decide to sell the uh, stadium or the training ground and then rent it back and they manage to sell it and, and it's usually owned by the owner of the club anyway and they sell it at such a profit that they can balance the books so I can't remember off the top of my head if Villa were the same but they, they spent a shed load of money and compared to everybody else in the championship I think uh, Villa were one of the top spenders so and coming into the Premier League spending well over 125 130 million quid you've got nothing to shout about you can't complain about other teams spent and what they spend uh, unless if you can't um, you know it's pot kettle, uh, calling the kettle black people in glass houses should have of the cliches and proverbs and whatever they apply to Villa just as much as to anybody else they did sell their stadium to a subsidiary yeah. owned by their owner and um Looking at their, where they finished, I mean, they shot up the table, really. They, they got in through the playoffs, but they conceded 60 ones. Uh, and only Swansea City in the top half of the championship conceded more. So um, but my view on them was Norwich were also a team that conceded only marginally fewer goals. That Norwich conceded the most goals that a, a, an automatic promotion candidate, yeah. an automatic promotion team, has ever conceded. So, so my view at the start of the season about Villa was, uh, and Norwich was, they will be coming up against far better attacks than they will, will have done in the in the Championship. And therefore, conceding goals or not conceding goals would be the thing that determined whether they stayed up or not. Uh, well, and neither Villa, have, have shown they've got any ability not to concede goals. Well, Villa got Pepe Reina today. Could I just interject there, Ray? Because you've just said the magic word. Pepe Reina, of course, was sitting in the stands. And uh, he'll he'll almost certainly start for Villa next week. Now, just just making the link to Aguero, Ray. Can you guess why every time I think of Pepe Reina, I also think of, of Sergio Sergio Aguero. Sergio Aguero scoring past Pepe Reina when he came out when he was playing for Liverpool. Sergio scored from a, a very acute angle in two two draw when it didn't look like we had a hope in hell of uh, getting a, uh, anything out of that game. Oh, Ray, you wobbled for a minute, but you got there in the end. That's indeed the. Uh, <laughs> That's indeed the the image that is burned into my brain. That unbelievable the about, goal. The thing about Villa, I mean, if they can get a goal scorer, obviously they've lost um, Wesley the other week. It, it, they need a goal scorer as well, Villa, uh, because uh, you look at the number. Of, they're not one of the worst goal scorers in the league. Um, they scored twenty eight, and you've got teams like Sheffield United who's sitting in sixth with twenty four goals. 
You've got Palace, who are in ninth with 20 goals, and you know, Newcastle in 13 with 21. But obviously, like Colin has said, it's their goals against. Uh, Norwich have let the Mawson with 45. Then it's Villa with 43. Southampton, who got pumped 9-0 by um, Leicester at home, they've only let in 39 goals. Um, so instead, obviously, as Colin has said, their defence is terrible, but I think they've still got hope. And the reason is they can still win, win games in their last five games. They've won two and lost three. Then you look at teams like Burnley, who have lost four on the bounce, and Brighton, who've lost three out of five, and Newcastle, who've lost three and drawn one out of the last five. I'm tempted to think that Norwich are almost gone. Bournemouth are on such a lousy run that they're almost gone. Villa, look, Villa are only a point behind West Ham. They're only three points behind Burnley and Brighton. So I think, that, you know, I don't think it's all over for them. When you've got someone like Grealish, you can score uh, goals. If they can get somebody else to score goals and, and maybe find a way to stop conceding so many, then maybe they've, they've still got a chance. I don't think it's done and dusted for them. I'm not as uh, down on them as Colin is, but it's going to be a struggle for them, whatever happens. But well, they've scored the most goals outside the top. Well, seven, uh, seven or eight. So down to Tottenham in eight. In fact, they've scored more than Sheffield United. But for me, the problem with both Filler and Norwich is, is what I said at the beginning of the season, is conceding goals. And yeah. that's, what, that's what gets you relegated, basically. Colin Savage, here's a quick question for you. Uh, one of the lesser touted stats about Sergio Aguero is what happens when he scores his next goal. He's going to reach a milestone um, that not, not too many people have been talking about. Uh, can you guess what that milestone is when he scores the next one for City? The next hat-trick? Not the next hat-trick, just the next oh, goal. The next goal. And oh, does he overtake Frank Lampard? No, it's not about overtaking anybody. It's just a milestone oh, that he reaches. Oh, it's 250th. That's right, 250 yes. goals for the Blues in all competitions when he scores his next goal. Just, I just want to dwell on uh, on Aguero uh, just a little bit. Um, did either of you guys catch on the highlights or on the, the the television broadcast that you saw Aguero? I mean, it's 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 four nil up. It's half time, and 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 Aguero in you know deep discussion with Mares apparently about Mares' failure to um to set him up for another one. Did you see that, Colin? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. It was quite funny. And, and because Pep Sam Lee, proud. Yeah, well, Sam Lee's written a big piece about Sergio in The Athletic. Uh, you know, all the people that have played with Sergio said he absolutely beats himself up if he doesn't score. It's not just about scoring. He hates it when he doesn't score. Well, he's so single-minded, isn't he? Um, and another, um, another, thing, really. another thing they say about him, Colin, is he doesn't seem to um, overly exert himself in training either, I think is the... The, the, the common uh, conception. Well, well, yeah, they said that about Tevez as well, but I tell you what, as long as they give uh, <laughs> give what they give on the field, I don't care whether they sit on the training pitch in a deck chair reading the newspaper eating an ice cream. <laughs> like Ederson does. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, 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 funny. Um, one of these kind of fake news type sites was saying that um, the Premier League are invest apparently investigating Edison for uh, making a cheese and eating a cheese fondue during the game. Yes, our our friend Board Ederson is back in business uh, again. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to ask guys: Was there a moment at the end of the game when they uh, when Aston Villa had that penalty and Aguero was stood on, on the edge of the box watching the penalty? And when it went in, 
he like threw his hands in the air uh, uh, over his head <laughs> like he'd been shot in despair that we'd conceded a goal we were 6-0 up and he he still wanted his mate Edison you know to, have, to keep a clean sheet what a team uh, player he is yeah I did notice that at the time I was sort of thinking come on Rita Hayworth reel it in come on <laughs> it's, it's not it's not so bad uh, allowing them a, a little consolation goal guys looking at the Premier League table one of the positive uh, points for us is that we're now clear two points clear in second place it's quite an interesting stat isn't it Ray that for the all conquering best team in the world Liverpool who have gone like dozens and dozens and dozens of games undefeated they, they still don't have the superior goal difference and they're 12 behind the second place team on goals scored that's quite an anomaly isn't it well, but the, the, the main thing is uh, uh, and what matters is yeah. they, they've won 20 and drawn one out of one now, of, you know, of we've course. got 12 more goals you know, whether you win like they did 1-0 or like City do 6-1, it's still only three points. And their superiority is basically coming from their goals against. I and mean, they've only let in 14, which is by far yeah. the, the least in uh, the league. We've let in 25. One real small sunshine is that I think they're hardly likely. I think they're going to smash a lot of our records this season. I think they could potentially go invincible. Still 17 games to go. They should, they will get 100 points. There's no way they're not going to get another 39 points in the next 17. Uh, I think that's, unless, you know, they have, they need four losses, I think, um, to stop them doing that. So I think that's going to happen. But I don't think they're going to get the same goal difference that we got the other season when we were plus 79. And that's a ridiculous goal difference. And we had 106 goals. So at least, you know, a few of our records will remain intact. But, I, you know, I really, to be honest, I just want someone to beat them. Um, I don't care how, just beat them. Well, they're playing United at weekend, so... <laughs> oh, my gosh, you have to be incredibly optimistic on I that mean, one. That, but that's a win. Well, that's a win-win, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Liverpool, Liverpool stuff United, well, we'll have a laugh at that, won't we? Ollie's. If you went to the Oxford English Dictionary to look up win-win, that's what you'd find in there, absolutely. Now, Colin Savage, here's an interesting thing for you. Leicester City... Three losses now out of five. What's happened to Brendan's Leicester City team? I mean, do you put that all down to the loss of Ndidi? You know, people are saying that now that Ndidi is is out, Soyonju and, and and these much lauded defenders have been basically exposed and been given the runaround. I mean, was that isn't isn't that what we say? You know, when Fernandinho wasn't in playing in his central midfield defensive midfield position, that you know the defense was far more exposed. Yeah, they've had a couple of. Um, Three and five losses. Uh, they, they, they lost to us in Liverpool, uh, which you'd ex- I'd say you'd expect them to do. You'd expect us. But that one against Southampton, who they beat 9-0 at St Mary's, was, was really weird. Villa should have beaten them in the League Cup. Quite confident that we're going to get second place, though, Colin. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. By, by a distance. I mean, when we played them, I was quite, com- considering what they put us through last season, I was quite nervous because I thought they'd be better. But actually, they were they were pretty sterile, weren't they? I mean, th- there wasn't much there at all from Leicester, not compared to you know the, the, the fight they put up last season. So yeah. and, you know, I saw that and thinking, if, if we don't finish above them, then something's terribly, terribly wrong. Well, listen, what this podcast is missing is a bit of fire and fury from Ray. So Ray, tell us something about TalkSport. Look, we all know what TalkSport are, are about. They're clickbait merchants, same as Sky Sports. I mean, I, I mean, they're all from the same stable as The Sun. Oh, got the same owners. And was it Sky? Probably remember the guy's name. It was... it. Um, an ex-Swansea player, was it Balburnie or something? 
and Sky videoed him in the crowd, uh, his, his ex-club, and making some 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 uh, gestures uh, with his hands. Tens and tens of thousands of people do the same at football matches every every weekend. Uh, and Sky picked on this guy and exposed him, and apparently he's under investigation now. And you know the way these things tend to pan out. I mean, Sky set the agenda, but with everything that they've done, and and he's going to end up more than likely getting uh, punished um, for his behaviour. So that's the kind of organisation we're dealing with. And tonight, I, I was sat in the car waiting for my lad to be to come back back from school because he was on a, a they're doing dodgeball. I don't even know what dodgeball is. You don't know what dodgeball is? Oh. Well, I'd like to play dodgeball with you, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically where you, but basically where you have to avoid getting hit by the ball. Uh, 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 okay, okay. I, I thought it's something about. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to personally introduce you to it. Actually, next time I see you. <laughs> I, I thought about it was something about uh, your dangly bits, and uh, anyway, uh, not 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 for kids. So yeah, I was waiting for him to come back, and I just happened to have the radio on. And they were talking about Sergio Aguero. And they had a, uh, I think they'd, they'd done a, uh, either Sky or uh, Talksport. I think Talksport had done a poll as to who was the best overseas striker. Um, you know, you had Terry Henry and, and um, Sergio was there. And I can't remember who else. Then they had another one because Darren Bent had come out and said he'd, he'd, he'd play Harry Kane above Sergio. And they really, I think they were dissing Sergio's achievements. For, for me, anyway, the, the top two clearly. Uh, T.T. Uh, Henry and uh, Sergio Aguero. I don't think anybody else comes close uh, in strikers. You know, Shearer's, yes, he's got 260 goals, but he's played nearly 450 games. So, you know, and Aguero's done his in 255 for 177 goals. So he's done a good click as our surge. Um, but I think they were just be- not belittling him, but downplaying Sergio's achievements and upplaying uh, Kane's to say, you know, Kane has scored 25 on, in three seasons on the draw and he's got three golden boots on the trot and Aguero's not done that and this and, and whatever. And I, I put out a tweet as soon as I heard this that v- very soon you'd get some stupid City fans coming on the radio uh, to defend Sergio. And very soon that's what you had. Then you had some Arsenal fans coming on. And this is what it's all about. You know, say something stupid, something a little bit controversial and you get people ringing in and you're paying, you know, whatever it costs to to to, uh, to ring Talksport to get your opinion heard. But you're paying for the pleasure of doing that. It's not free. It's not like this podcast or lots of other YouTube channels and stuff. You're actually paying to call Talksport to get your opinion across, and it's just a way for them to, you know, create a little bit of drama and make a bit of extra money by coming out with some really stupid things. And look, I never thought Darren Bell was, you know, the most um, clued up person going. I always thought he had a little, you know, one or two screws missing, but he's quickly cottoned on that that's the way you do it. You, you see what I mean? You know, you, you got Adrian Durham, who's a master at his game. Uh, you know, there's no denying that. There's, there's, no, there's no pleasure in being a tosser. So he's a master of his game and being a tosser is part of his game. And Darren Ben, working for that organisation, is going down a similar route. And you saw even Gary Neville, actually, going back to the Sky Sports thing, Gary Neville uh, had come out and criticised Sky, kind of, for what they'd done to uh, uh, this fellow who, who used to play for Swansea with the gestures at the, uh, the South Wales derby. So Gary Neville's come out and, and, and said something. And I've and I, I just said, look, that's the second time Gary Neville's not been happy in recent times, in the last month or so, with his employers. You know, with the, with the thing he said about, I think, Boris Johnson and being racist and whatever. And they said uh, they had to put, uh, uh, you know, to say this was not the views of Sky. How ridiculous is that? 
what, what uh, they'd said to, to Dave Jones had said to try and balance the argument um, and so it just it doesn't sit well with me that they're doing all this and it shouldn't sit well with Gary Neville you know you're working for somebody and you're getting paid handsomely by somebody whose views um, so far away from what I would consider decent well it's interesting isn't it uh, football pundits uh Standing on their little uh, soapboxes, if only we had a certain Ricky Gervais to to tell them to um you know just to make their points and do their jobs and um and and go away quietly. But guys, um just um looking at the lineup of games for the rest of this month, we've got home game next Saturday against Crystal Palace, an away game at Sheffield. Sheffield United, and then we've got the two cup games. We've got um, the fourth round of the FA Cup at home against Fulham, and of course then we have the return. Um, leg with Manchester United in the EFL Cup. Now, guys, one game that I don't recall having talked to you two fellas much about was the the draw that we got for the fourth round of the FA Cup. Manchester City against Fulham at home. Any thoughts, Colin? Well, I think we'll beat them. Um, uh, Fulham, succ- succinct I, yeah, and to the point. Fulham, have, Fulham have given us problems in the past. Um, I remember when they were in uh, severe danger of relegation. Was was Roy Hodgson the manager? I can't remember, actually. We, we were 2-0 up, and basically that win would have consigned them, I think, to relegation, and then they came back and beat us 3-2. I think it was the end of the Stuart Pearce era, because I seem to remember it didn't take much persuasion for me to miss a game. But I can't remember if I was at that game or I decided to give it a miss, and when I saw the result, I was quite glad I'd given it a miss. I think I did give it a miss, even though I had a season ticket. But, um, yeah, they're not going to bring 8,000 fans like Paul Vale did, are they? I mean, um, we used to joke about Fulham, Come in a taxi. You could have come. In, you should have come in a taxi because, um, yeah, you know the way we give them three tiers of the south stand. Fulham couldn't even fill the first tier, let alone the second and third. But they're not so, doing bad, badly in the championship. Well, they are I doing think. quite well. Yeah, yeah. So they're on a d- decent run of form. Won three and drawn one out of the last five. They're up to fourth, and both Brentford and Fulham, and even Forest, are catching. Leeds, who have started their implosion quite early this season, and West Brom as well. I, you yeah, know, we'll get it out of the way and save the disappointment later. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I mean, they were so far ahead that you thought they were, it was almost done and dusted, and they're both, uh, you know, uh, fighting each other to be the worst and and to bottle it the most. I mean, it's like it's like being in North London again, isn't it? Watching Spurs and Arsenal bottle it. But no, I'd be interested in that Fulham game from one perspective. I mean, fingers crossed. The pricing uh, at, of the tickets is going to be reasonable. I suspect it will be. Uh, I suspect it'll be similar to the Port Vale. Uh, not much different because obviously City fans are, many of them I've seen, not very happy with the Real Madrid pricing. But that, that cup game, that around that time of the um, 26th of January, will be the time that America Laporte will be fit enough to play first-team football. Uh, my suspicion is it'll be around that week. He might get a few minutes in the Sheffield United game, but more than likely he'll be ready around that weekend. So I'm very interested to see if he'll get any minutes against Fulham and whether he'll be ready to play against United in the second uh, leg of the Carabao Cup or whether we save him um, until we play Spurs on the 2nd of February. I mean, personally, I'd like him to get a few minutes against Fulham and a few minutes against United um, and um, you know, and before we go to uh, to London to play Spurs. Well, guys, uh, that's how um, our month is lining up uh, for the rest of this month. Then, um, just before we uh, sign off uh, from this particular pod, let's test out the guys with a few little st- uh, stats, courtesy of my friends at the BBC. Now, here's the first one, um, and we'll just take um, fir- first answer from the first gentleman who responds 
Um, and here we go with the first one. Since the start of the 2016-17 season, Manchester City have scored 343 Premier League goals. Now, how many more is that than any other team? Let's take your guesses. 42. Oh, oh, have you got the BBC website up in front of you? Come on, admit it. No, I, I was deliberating whether it was 42 or 43, and I just thought the second team can't be on 300, so let's give them 301. Okay, well, you definitely hit the bullseye and you blasted Colin Savage into oblivion with that. Oh, I give him a second. I give him a second. That, that's the, that's, okay. that's the, the, the speed. Okay, here comes the next one. Okay. This was Pep Guardiola's 300th top-flight league win as a manager. Uh, these include the games that he managed with Barcelona, Bayern Munich, and of course City. And he's reached that tally, 300 uh, top-flight league wins in how many games? Let's have your guess. 390. That's correct. Yes, okay, wonderful. Here's the next one. Riyad Mahrez is the only Premier League player to both score and assist. 20 goals since the start of last season, all competitions. How many goals versus how many assists, anyone? Go on, come. Is it 12 goals and 10 assists? Way out, um, way out, way out. Try again uh, with Ray. Is this all at City? Is this all at City? 14, 14, 16? No more than that. 21 goals, 23 assists. Wow. Incredible. Guys, here's the next one. We've just got two more to go. Now, just one more to go, I think. The, the listeners will have had enough of, of this after this last one. Okay. Now, in all competitions, Kevin De Bruyne has assisted a certain number of goals this season, five more than any other Premier League player. How many assists so far this season has he made? Is that in all competitions? Uh, in all competitions, yeah. By gum. Five more than any other Premier League player. What's the number of assists? 21. Wow, that's a lot. Um... I know in, in, in the Premier League, I think he's on 14 already this season. But how many has he done? He missed a few games. 21 sounds a good number. I'll, I'll say, oh, Colin, um, I'll say 20. 20. The correct answer is 15, actually. So Ooh. if you're telling me, Ray, that he scored 14 in the league, then it must have been only one more in all the other competitions because that is the number that the BBC have given and who are we to question them? In their authority. Wow. He's got 14 Premier League assists this season, which I, I really can't believe is it's ridiculous, isn't it? But he was, in the early part of the season, getting an, uh, basically an assist a game. So 14 out of 21, it's not so bad, is it? And he's got seven goals as well. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. And uh, guys, we're just going to bring it to a head here. A certain member of the BFBT team has got to go off to work while the others can just, uh, you know, have a cup of tea and go to bed. That's the the way time differences work between Blighty and, and South Korea. But uh, we'll just thank our two BFTV members for their contributions. As always, the first one that you've been listening to has been Colin Savage. Thank you so much, Colin. It's a pleasure, as always. And I hope that migraine clears up for you in short Thank you. Well, I shall be very off to bed shortly, so um hope so too. Okay. And you've also been listening, of course, to our man, Ray. Ray, thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> yeah, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure, Mike. I was wondering what you're going to say there for a second. I thought you were going to give the title of a China crisis song. And I thought, Mike, don't go there. Just don't go there. <laughs> yes, uh, don't worry. I've, I've, I've got it all under it's control. A, and um, It's a pigments of your imagination. It is. It is indeed. 
Okay, well, we'll leave it there, guys. We will be seeing you again after the next game. So until then, as we always say, have one on us and up the blues. (laughs) 